Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. victory over New York Red Bulls it is the first time in their team's history that they have gone 5-0-0. They've started 5-0-0 in their first home game, five home games of the season. They had a great performance tonight from Carlos Hill, who had three assists, player of the game. He now leads MLS with 10 assists on the season and is barreling down the MLS assist record of 26 from Carlos Valderrama uh, in the year 2000. I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today is Chris Lucas. Chris, how are you? Hey, I, I'm doing fantastic. You know, Revs keep winning. Uh, I'm a few beers deep on this one, but I'm having a great time tonight. Uh, Revs winning just equals happiness. You know, I, I'm I'm just thrilled uh, enjoying watching this team perform. Yeah, and we're coming to you after we did a kind of a live show on Twitter. Uh, we recently were we gained the ability to uh, do a live Twitter Spaces show and we thought that since we weren't planning on doing one after the Red Bulls game we kind of did an impromptu uh, podcast where we had listeners jump in and chime in uh, and kind of give their takes on the revolution so uh, this is going to be a very different podcast it's a little bit all over the place we took questions live from some listeners we got some opinions from some listeners it was a really good conversation all the way around we still did get some listener questions so there still are some elements to our typical format uh, but it's a little bit different because we talk about we talk on twitter and gets a little bit off the beaten path at times uh there are some conversations about uh, the crayon logo. There is some conversation about Waffle House. Uh, it gets weird at points, but overall, I, I think we're we're posting this because I think it's going to be a very interesting listen. If you were not there uh, on Twitter with us tonight, uh, I will also say before we get into this, uh, if, if you uh, have not checked out Galasso kits already, please do. They provide jerseys of any team, any country. Go check out our sponsor, Galasso kits. Use Revs Recap and get fifteen percent off your order. Also, please check us out on Twitter. Join our next Twitter Spaces show. We're at Revolution Recap. You can also like our Revolution Recap Facebook page and our Revolution Recap Instagram page. If you do not follow us on social media, please follow us there, and we'll let you know the next time you can join in the conversation. I'll also say one more note. Our audio was a little bit disoriented at the very beginning, so I'm going to give you my key takeaway here, and then after my key takeaway, the reaction you are going to hear is the Twitter Spaces conversation. So we're going to kind of transition into that conversation that unedited conversation right after i give my key takeaway here and my key takeaway very simply put is carlos heel is right now the mvp of the league and he's going to break the mls assist record i kind of alluded to this earlier carlos valderrama had 26 assists in the year 2000 carlos heel has 10 assists in 10 games he needs 17 more assists in 24 games throughout the rest of the season and i think he's going to get it the revs now have more goal goals scored from a carlos heel assist than without they have 10 carlos heel has 10 assists the Revs have scored nine without Carlos Hill assisting the play. Um, Carlos Hill has a nine point had a nine point six foot mob rating tonight. He had three assists, seventy eight percent passing, uh, eighty touches. Really, just won this game for the Revolution all the way around. Really helped that offense hit on all cylinders. And each of the assists we saw tonight were different. They showed how great he was. The first one, he had a nice uh, chip pass to Tayon Buchanan. Tay John Buchanan. Uh, he had a nice ground ball to Jawan Jones in the first half, and he had a nice volley that led to a Gustavo Bro, uh, Gustavo Bo uh, counterattack. So he had three different assists that showed off how great his amazing vision, his amazing skill, 
And he could have had a couple of more assists because there was a play off of a turnover early in the first half where he kind of led Gustavo Bo into the box. And Bo, I think, was expecting his feet. And it, instead, it went a little bit long, and Bo never really recovered. He also had a nice one-two with Teal Bunbury, where Teal Bunbury got a great shot uh, on target that was saved by the Red Bulls keeper. So we could be talking about Carlos Hill having an MLS record, five assists in this game. Uh, just an astonishing performance. He seems to get better and better over time, and the offense is really now clicking on all cylinders. Uh, so, yeah, key takeaway here. Carlos Hill, MVP of the league so far, I would say. One of his best games, if not the best game, in a Revs jersey. He's back to full fitness, and and he's going to be the MVP of the league if he keeps up this pace, and I am fully convinced he's going to break the MLS assist record. Uh, he's got five assists in the last two games. He is insanely hot right now. So, Carlos Hill, uh, just on fire. Uh, hey, Chris, you know, that's a that's a bold take, I got to say, but uh, you know what? I, I can't argue with it because he's uh, he's tearing it up right now. It's just really unbelievable to see how well Carlos Hill is performing. Uh, it, it's it's really hard to think of how anyone could be performing any better. I don't know what the assist records record is. I don't know if you know that, Greg. Uh, 20, 26 by Carlos Valderrama in 2000. And then See, the next closest is two guys have 20 assists. So only three people have hit 20 assists in MLS. And Carlos Hill is halfway there through 10 games. There's, there's, I think, 24 games left. Yeah. No, uh, see, then, and that's why I love you because you always come with the stats and you come and you back it up. You have the receipts. And yeah, Carlos Hill breaking the assist record. I can 100% see it happening. Uh, as long as the forwards continue scoring. And, you know, that's another big if because we still need to make sure players like Buxa are putting the ball in the net and not hitting the post. Uh, I know I'm a big Buxa guy, so I'm sorry for being critical right now. Uh, I'll limit it to that when it comes to Buxa for tonight. But yeah, as long as the, as long as the forwards uh, and players like Buchanan uh, are getting in behind the defense and, and putting the ball in the net, I see no reason why, uh, why he'll cannot break the assist record. Chris, I, I was going to go to your key takeaway first. We already have a caller coming in Sunday afternoon, fullbacks, a loyal listener. I think he's going to be the first person we ever take on our Revolution Recap uh, live Twitter Spaces uh, episode. So Sunday afternoon, fullbacks, let's get your take. Are you there? Did I do it right? It is connected. I didn't realize it takes time to connect. Again, <laughs> I am new to this. I am sorry. Now it is working. I don't appreciate the laughing emojis. I got to say, if there's one there, there's one complaint, it's the laughing emojis. It hurts my feelings every time. Please stop doing that. But Sunday afternoon, fullbacks, what is your take? How are we doing, guys? How are you doing tonight? Hey, hey. Doing great. Doing great that, now that I know how this works. Well, yeah, I'm doing a lot better now. Uh, I know it's working. Uh, I keep seeing my cousins, one of them, he's your man's dude on Twitter. Uh, but I keep seeing people saying, like, the revs haven't hit their full stride yet. Like the attack isn't doing what they want it to do, but like I'm looking at the past few games, they scored three tonight. They scored three against NYC over the weekend. They three scored three against the Red Bulls, um, 10 goals in the last four games. Like what, are, what are people waiting for? Like it, it feels like revs fans don't want to believe this team is for real, but they're 23 points out of 30 right now. Carlos Hill is playing as good as anyone that I've ever seen in MLS. I, I've been watching this league for 20-something years now. I, I don't know what people are waiting for. This team is for real, and uh, why, why is it that people are hesitant to – is it just the history of the team, uh, like the losses in MLS Cup and everything? And I, I don't know. What, what is it that's holding people back right now? Because right now, I, I, 
I've never believed more than I have right now in this team. Yeah, and actually, I'll defer to Chris because Chris, we, we went over our key takeaways before I we, we attempted to log into this, and this kind of <laughs> wa- works in with your key takeaway because you were going to say this is a, a legit MLS Cup team. Is this yeah. a correct? That that's it. You know, it does tie into to my takeaway too because uh, exactly to the point that uh, Sunday afternoon fullbacks is making is I have been feeling the same way as if this team maybe isn't doing enough, and it does feel like they're still maybe a mile away from hitting their potential because there's a lot of firepower on this team in the midfield. We have a lot of firepower with, you know, especially Carly's heel. Obviously he takes everything to another level, but then we have the likes of what we've expected, I guess, out of a player like cap Toom, who uh, obviously has not shown up yet this season. Uh, we've always also expected Kaiseido to show up. Uh, so we expect a lot more production out of this midfield. We expect a lot of production out of this team and, we're getting, you know, three goals a game, you know, for the last couple of games in general, it's, it's been a a more positive than negative uh, attacking, you know, production, but uh, I've been jaded, I think by, you know, previous, previous seasons. I don't, I'm afraid to get too excited about this team, but after tonight's performance, I'm ready to say that I'm actually buying in that this team is legit. Uh, So I'm with you that you, this is a team to get excited about. This is a team to, to really, you know, jump on board. And, you know, if you're not on the bandwagon already, just jump on it. Enjoy the ride. Uh, I don't know anyone that's going to be listening to this that's not a Revs fan. But, you know, if you know anyone that's not a Revs fan, you know, tell them to jump on the bandwagon. This is going to be such an exciting season. It already is. You know, it's, it's been so exciting. It, Saturday's game was one of the best Revs games I've ever watched um tonight's game started out amazing and of course you know red bulls came back uh with two goals and they still saw it out to the end and they were able to get the win but uh yeah this team is it's it's for real it's legit and i'm looking at the supporter shield i'm saying you know that's that's within reach you know we got to wait to see what's going on with seattle right now they're two minutes into their game with rsl and you know if if seattle's dropping points at all the revs are first place in, in mls not just the eastern conference and that's an interesting um, storyline to watch. Of course, Seattle's, you know, they've been playing very well. So uh, I don't expect them to drop many points. But uh, Supporter Shield, absolutely on the table. MLS Cup, 100%. You expect the Revs to be the team to to make it make it there. And, you know, they're going to be winning the Eastern Conference uh, Championship if they continue playing the way they are right now. Uh, as of right now, I, in my eyes, they're unbeatable. And, and before I answer this question, I did just notice on Twitter, I got a comment. My stat about Carlos Hill be having more key passes than number two and three in that category is wrong. I did the math wrong. Someone pointed out to me that 49 is less than 53. Uh, I don't know why I thought 27 plus 26 is less than 49. That's very embarrassing. I'm going to delete that tweet. Please feel free to do laugh emojis at me. But that stat is incorrect. Uh, but to why, why do people not believe? I mean, this is really the human Michael Scott, I am ready to be hurt again yeah. theme, is it mm-hmm. not? I think people are just ready to completely, you know, watch this team get their hopes up and kind of fall when it matters the most. But the fact of the matter is, this team is not a bad offensive team. To Sunday afternoon fullbacks points, they are scoring goals. Right now, no team in MLS has scored more goals 
than the New England Revolution. The Revolution have 17 goals scored. That is tied for the lead in MLS. That is best in Eastern Conference. I know they've played one more game than most teams, uh, but they're scoring a good amount of goals. I think a lot of the pessimism comes into the fact that we have seen the Revs not finish chances. We've seen Adam Buxa uh, miss a chance here and there, uh, you know, bundle a shot at his feet, you know, miss some sitters but that's a good thing when you when you're creating chances and not converting your chances that's a lot better than last year when you're just flat out not converting chances because eventually those chances are going to fall and we kind of saw that a bit tonight the Rebels only had six shots on target um you know they were outshot by the red bulls uh, the red bulls had just as many shots on target um they had more shots within the box than, than the revs tonight the revs were just better at finishing overall um you know uh, we're going to talk about carly's hill a lot about how great he was but, you know, Teon Buchanan's finish in that first goal, he used the outside of his foot and kind of curled it into the side netting. That's a great finish. That's a that's a really, really good finish by Teon Buchanan. That's just yeah. all class. The keeper has no chance on that one. But we're going to look at that pass. That's what's going to overshadow that goal. But Teon didn't get all the credit uh, that he should have on that, that finish. Um, Gustavo Bo's chip, really, really nice play. Um, you know, Dewan Jones, it was, it was a good rip shot, you know, near post. I, I don't, you know not the the highlight goal that we've seen uh, in, in the past few weeks or, or in this game, but overall, this is a team that can finish. And when they start to finish, that's when it's going to, you know, the goals are going to start coming in bunches. And I think we haven't seen that yet. And I think that concerns some people that they, they see these missed chances or they see the ball off the post and we're not getting the scores that we should be. We're not performing as well as our expectables say we should be. But honestly, I think with these weapons available, it's just a matter of time. Yep. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the expected goals because last, you know, this past weekend, Saturday's match and then tonight's match, the Revolution have outscored their expected goals, and which is, you know, atypical to how the Revs have been performing all season. Uh, they're leaving a lot of goals on the table, like you mentioned before, too. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's really encouraging to see them, you know, maybe starting to turn this around. The one caveat, the one thing that I'm looking at and saying – this could be the downfall is the defense. And it's so, so bizarre to be saying that because uh, for the past year and a half, maybe two years, the defense has been the only thing that I've actually been more confident in. Uh, they've looked very shaky overall in the last two games. And that's something that, that everyone I think needs to be keeping an eye on and, and just paying some attention to and, and seeing what the pairings are going to look like. What is the best back line? there's been a lot of questions that we've received even what is what's the best back line to put out there i've always said that it was what we saw tonight with with uh farrell and kessler out there as the tandem at center back uh they still looked pretty sloppy especially in the second half uh, conceding those two goals yeah, and uh, well, let's talk about the defense a little bit. We actually just got a, uh, a comment from uh, Charles Maddox. Charles Maddox, uh, thanks for the question, Charles. He says, how many times over the years have we seen a game like tonight where we choked? And I didn't see that possibility tonight. Thoughts? Um, and uh, I had a little bit, I mean, we were up three, nothing. We conceded twice. I wasn't particularly pleased with that. But they seemed to close this game out a little bit more solidly than they did, uh, you know, obviously Saturday. But there have been times where it seems like they throw out the three center back formation. They just kind of boot it long and they wait for the team to kind of come down and, and kind of create some chances. And today it seemed like they had a little bit more possession. They were killing time in the opposing half tonight. So I, I think they closed out this game a little bit better. And we it wasn't as much of a sweat, you know, wasn't as much of a sweat inducing game uh, as previous games have been. But 
Um, overall, I, I think the defense is the issue, not really the offense. We got some questions on Discord. What is wrong with our defense? Is this defense good enough to go all the way? Uh, and one person said, Kessler, not a question, just need to talk about him. Um, and, you know, Kessler wasn't a question mark last year. As you said, Chris, the defense wasn't a question mark last year, but I think that is the major strength that needs to be addressed in the uh, transfer window. I, I, I think when the summer window opens up, I think we need another defender. I think we need another central defender. I don't think we can be doing this uh, Henry Kessler or John Bell rotation where both of them are playing good but not great. And Andrew Farrell seems to be a weakness at points. It seemed like the Red Bulls very early in the game were testing him with some long balls over the top. And he did well to defend. He had some emergency defending. I, I think he had a bicycle kick at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to go so far as to call him a liability, but it seems like right now our center back pairings, they haven't found the one that perfectly clicks just yet. And I'm, I'm not opposed to strengthening the back line as the season goes on. I'm not really that anti Brandon by or Dewan Jones at this point. I think they've actually both put in very, very good performances this year. I don't think we're going to be seeing uh, Kristen Mafla at all. So I imagine that Dewan Jones will get rests and De La Garza will come in a little bit. Uh, and same with by on the right side. I don't mind De La Garza as a backup outside back, but I think that center back. You got Polster team. Yeah, but you don't want to move Polster from the midfield. Right. I, I, in my opinion, you're not moving Polster because I think he's your best central midfielder. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that defensive line, if there is an issue right now, I, I think it's the back line. And I don't even think our back line is that bad. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. It's, it's interesting because we're, we're looking at, in the offseason, we're all talking, when are we going to be bringing in some more backline help? Like, we were looking backline, we were looking wingers, right? We, we addressed the wingers. Backline, we brought in A.J. De La Garza, who we all were – pretty good convinced i think that aj de la garza was not being brought in as uh, a starter as a way to improve the back line you know he's coming in as a depth piece and i think that it's shown that that's why he's here he's here for a depth piece um and that's fine and then they signed john bell of course at the beginning of the season they signed him uh we were all very excited as far as like from a fan standpoint it was uh it was a really fun moment, especially, you know, the, the announced John Bell movement. And we're all really happy to see him succeed and, and watch him get minutes out there. Uh, but there hasn't been any difference makers brought into this back line. I guess we did think maybe Andrew Farrell and Henry Kessler were going to be, you know, the star, stalwart defenders that you're going to need uh, and and just continue to, to show up week in and week out, kind of like they did last year. And anytime that they're not showing up, it has to be Matt Turner that's showing up. You know, Matt Turner had a, had a fine game tonight. There was nothing spectacular about his performance. And it, if, uh, if if the defense was any shakier, I, I think that, you know, conceding three goals, four goals would have, would have been something reasonable. It's not like when you think last week where, you know, maybe New York City last week or this past weekend, should have scored almost six goals. Um, it's 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 getting a little bit scary. So the back line. Um, it's concerning to have a goalie as good as Matt Turner and you're still conceding four times in two games. Um, yes. It, it's certainly not very good. And obviously, we're going to talk about set pieces a lot. They've really struggled. I think they've made a step up from where they were a few years ago. But there were a lot of times today where the Revs, you know, were trying to work the ball out of the box. You know, I think that's sec- uh, was it the second goal or the first goal. But there was one goal where they, oh, oh it was the shot off the woodwork. They should have clearly just booted the ball long, and they tried working it out, uh, and they ended up turning the ball over, and their their third, and the ball ended up off the woodwork. I mean, if that goes in, it's a tie game. It's a completely different game how it plays out. You know, it's a complete disaster. You conceded first at home. Uh, so, yeah, the defense needs a little bit of work. 
They need to work on their turnovers in the final third. They need to work on their set pieces. I know Bruce Arena said at the press conference that they need to do that. Um, uh, still, at the end of the day, you know, I think we thought Henry Kessler was going to come in to be a key piece, and I'm not so sure about that. I- I'm not so sure that Henry Kessler is going to be the guy we thought he was at the beginning of the season. Um, and he's in a bit of a sophomore slump, but um, – yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think we need another center back to come in. Jake Hadneys from hailing from the great state of Connecticut is uh, <laughs> jumping in. Jake, hang on. I think I can add you as a speaker. You should be coming in. Jake, I forgot there's a lag time. By the way, I've realized that now people can reply to me on Twitter while I'm talking. So I can actually see people criticizing my uh, pronunciation of Tay John. Tay John. Uh, I still can't say it. Sorry, Tay on Stan. Tay John Stan. My bad. Laugh emoji, laugh emoji. Jake, <laughs> how's it going? All right. I love live podcasting. This is going amazing. Maybe Jake walked away. This is actually something Jake would do. He would request to speak and then leave uh, and leave me hanging and uh, get a bunch of laugh emojis. Laugh it's, emojis. it's what we get for making all of our puns, I suppose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, so while we're waiting for, for Jake, was that Jake there? I better not have left because no one can pronounce my last name anyway, so who cares? <laughs> Jake, what do you want to talk about tonight? I was just going to ask a question. I'm not sure if this has been asked or not. How much of the Rebs, I want to say let off, or Red Bull's comeback, is due to just the scoreline itself, where I guess sort of the Rebs are kind of sort of sitting back and not being as aggressive? versus the Red Bulls just having the opportunity to get back into the game. Like, I'm not sure if this is a, a tactic issue or if it's a game situation issue. Yeah, I think it was a – I think it was a – they scored the third goal and they took a playoff and Red Bulls came down and punched them in the mouth, mouth while they weren't paying attention issue. Uh, I, I certainly think they let their guard down a little bit. I think they thought 3 nothing was easily going to uh, – you know, they're going to see out three, nothing easily. Um, and, and at that point, you know, the last 30 to 20 to 30 minutes was all revs. Uh, so that first goal, I, I think was completely just falling asleep at the wheel. Um, the second goal was a set piece, you know, Masiel, you know, not the tallest guy loses a header. The ball kind of bounces around the failure to clear leads to that second goal. Um, so I think that's just a situational play that defense has struggled with a lot. Um, and I think the other thing too, which someone commented, I don't know. Oh, James Hawking commented on Twitter. A, a couple minutes ago, he said that's the second half really highlights how important Matt Polster is. Once he came off, the Revs really struggled to stop the Red Bulls transition attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of agree with that. I think Matt Polster, you know, the, the pairing of Maciel and Tommy McNamara, while I don't necessarily dislike either player, I think Matt Polster is just beyond both of them. I think Matt Polster, a few weeks ago, the MLS All-Star Game announcement came out and everyone talked about who deserves to go to the All-Star Game from the Revs. I think Matt Polster deserves some MLS All-Star consideration because he's really been a bulldog in that midfield. And he didn't have the mm-hmm. best game tonight. He obviously came off with that yellow early. But, um, you know, he, he's played pretty much every game for the Revs. And I can't remember a single poor performance we've seen from Matt Polster this season. So he's been really consistent. He's been really good at uh, maintaining possession, moving the ball, winning balls in the midfield. He's basically a tougher more efficient Scott Caldwell uh, where he's going to retain possession, move the ball uh, and get the ball into your playmakers that, you know, you want to have the ball, uh, but he's also going to win you back possession and fight for some, some, some balls in the midfield. So um, yeah, I, I think it's a mixed thing of taking off the pollster and kind of the attitude after scoring that third goal. I think they, they saw, they thought it was all over, 
And then, mm. that, and then once that second goal came in, they kind of realized they had to buckle down mm. again. But yeah, a little concerned they couldn't see that one out, especially concerning after not seeing out uh, the New York City FC game on Saturday. Yeah, I think it. And, I think it would be a mix of the two, you know, because the first gate, that first goal that we gave up, it, it was kind of obvious at that point that the Revolution were getting a bit complacent with the three goal lead. Uh, you let Red Bulls back in. Red Bulls is, is a good team. Um, you know, they they played a younger team tonight overall. And they came out the second goal, more credit to them, I think, than on the first goal because the Revolution just kind of let them back in. Uh, they made it a game. They, Red Bulls thought that, you know, they believed in themselves. They got themselves some some more life into their attack. They were able to push. They were able to get that second goal. And I think once they got the second goal, uh, you could see uh, the urgency in the, in the Revolution to really step on the brakes and slow this game down and try to just see it out more than anything. Yeah, and just a reminder, if you're joining this, you can request to listen. This is not necessarily a me and Chris podcast. So if you have a question or if you have a comment or you want to just join the conversation, please hit request to speak, and we'd love to have you join us. Um, I, I want to kind of move over to another person that we want. Oh, Sunday afternoon fullbacks. Do you have a comment there? I saw you unmute real briefly. Yeah, I was gonna say, that's a good segue right there uh, because uh, you were you're talking about audience participation. And so I wanted to participate and check uh, <laughs> this whole thing and say the crayon flag needs to be saved. So for everybody who's listening right now, let's save the crayon flag, get rid of that Ghostbusters R and uh, – yeah, sorry. Yes. Revolution recap. You guys do a good job, but uh, you know, had to hijack and say that. <laughs> I, I was going. Well, hang on. Okay, now people are requesting. We've gotten into the. Uh, we've gotten into the the real topics that people want to talk about. Tuka Rask. People, people are people are requesting this because, as always, I am right. The crayon flag is the best. I'm just saying. Tuka, Tuka Rask Memorial uh, account. I'm I'm calling on you here. Let's get your rebuttal or agreement with that last comment. No, I I, uh, I couldn't agree more with uh, Sunday afternoon fullbacks here. The crayon flag needs to stay. Uh, as some of you on the hashtag know, I have it tattooed on my leg. I can't have it go away just for that reason alone. So it needs to stay. Yeah, I mean, well, now that I know that, I think I think you have to keep it. Obviously, you are well invested. I personally am for keeping it. I think that MLS does so many rebrands that are so crappy and they kind of change everything. They change their identity every decade. I like having something from MLS 1.0. I like being uh, the last stand of original MLS. Uh, Dave also wants to comment on the crayon flag, which is obviously the most important topic uh, going on in in revolution land. Uh, Dave, do you have any thoughts on the crayon logo or anything else? Listen, the crayon flag is the most important topic in my life. Um, (laughs) I, w- I was going to ask about the uh, the winger situation, um, especially on the left wing, I guess, uh, with Tristan and I guess Teal slotted in. I-, I was wondering what you guys thought about um, just the state of the Revs uh, winger situation. Before we got on to the crayon flag, which is the most important thing we could possibly talk about, I was actually going to transition this over to uh, Arnold Tristison because uh, we did get some other questions on what is the future of Tristison. Um, and, uh, you know, we also got a question about if Teal should start over Tristison. Um, well, winger situation, I mean, Tejon's one of them. Tejon, Tejon is one of them. I'm trying, guys. Um, I mean, I, I think that's just going to happen. Tristison is really concerning to me. I really haven't seen anything special out of him. This is the biggest bust, I would say. I know a lot of people complain about Mafla and Captoom. I really thought Arnor was going to be the 
you know, final piece of this puzzle. And he really hasn't shown me a whole lot. He seems like a nice little player, but nothing that really stands out. So I'm not opposed to giving Teal Bunbury more minutes. I know we got 70 minutes from him today. He had that nice one-two with Carly's heel that arguably should have been a goal. He could have done a little bit better, you know, but it's still a nice save by the keeper. Still a very nice run by Teal Bunbury. Um, you know, a, a pretty solid shift from Teal Bunbury in some minutes that, you know, I think he needed to kind of make his case. Um, so the nice thing about being in first place is you can try different things. You can kind of move people in and out. So I think we're going to see a lot of rotation out of these wingers. Uh, but I, I'm at the point where I'm not opposed to giving Teal Bunbury some starts on that left wing over Tristison and, and see if he can earn that spot back. Because Teal Bunbury scored eight goals last year. He's been Mr. Consistent for a long time. Um, and the Tristison experiment, I know we're 10 games into the season. I know it's a little bit early, but he's not doesn't seem to be the player I expected him to be when the revolution signed him. Yeah. You know, I've been a, a big proponent of Tristison's and I, it, I, I think I'm generally optimistic anyway. I always like to, you know, have my glass half full uh, with Tristison. It's, it is absolutely concerning. Uh, in my opinion, I think you still got to give him some minutes. The revolution are in, it, it, they have the luxury of being in such a position where they can experiment with like you're saying, experiment with the different wingers that we have and see what happens. And they're still getting three points uh, game in, game out. You know, five-game win streak right now, which is uh, ab- absurd, really. And uh, I agree. The Tristan thing, it's not what we expected coming into this. And it... it's too early to pull the plug, though. I'll say that. It, yes. I, I, I think if they go out in the summer window and they try to get another left winger, I'm not. I'm, I, I almost don't really like that. I, I think Teal Bunbury and trying to find a replacement in-house. We haven't seen Boateng yet. I assume that's not a good sign. Not that I expected him to be a starting caliber player. Uh, but I, I'm curious if Bruce uses the um, congested schedule to rotate some players in and out, try some different things, and kind of see who is going to be that you know missing piece on the left wing. Because um, yep. I don't want Tejon over there. I don't think that Tejon, Tejon over there um, – <laughs> Because, you know, it didn't really work in the Chicago game. He's clearly a lot more comfortable on that right side. Yep. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with, with uh, Teal getting some more minutes. And I, I'm hope, hopeful that that is the solution. I'm hopeful Teal Bunbury can kind of shut up everyone, shut up all the haters, uh, you know, obviously get back into the uh, Teal Bunbury wars we've seen on Twitter. But uh, I, I'm hopefully going to earn that spot back and we don't need to go and search for another weapon in the summer window because I think the back line needs – more addressing or i hope tristan breaks out of it but uh, well I'm losing faith with tristan too you got to think the revolution have scored six goals in the last two games uh arnold tristan was on the field for one of them uh, and that's a concern because he started on saturday uh they scored one goal with him uh and then after that you know they take him off they scored the other two goals of course they were in response to nycfc's goals and then uh, tonight you, you know he started on the bench and Revolution got three goals before bringing him on. And uh, it, it's a little bit concerning, but I'm still sticking with him for now. You know, I, I want him to get the minutes. I want him to click. He makes very creative, very inventive runs. I like seeing the movement that he has off the ball. Uh, if only he could take that and put that together with the skill set that we have seen in his highlight packages that we know that he does possess. If he could put it all together and make it click, um, I think, you know, it's just going to be such a breakout element for this revolution offense. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, the other thing too is I, I, 
there comes a point where gelling with the team kind of breaks. And, and I would say a three week break and, you know, July after a three week break, uh, breaking into July, I think that's the point where I'm going to say, well, the, the gelling with the team phase is over and you need to start producing results. So, uh, we do have a question here. Another live question from Charles Maddox, uh, has Buxa become our super sub or do you think Bruce is mixing it up with him and Bo to keep our opposition trying to figure our tactics? Chris, you are the Buxa stand. Actually, Jake, I, I just see you unmuted. Did you want to talk about Tristan anymore, or you want to move on to Buxa? No, my question with Buxa was more of against a, a, a what we thought was going to be a more packed-in Red Bull squad. Should Buxa have started today, or obviously scoring three goals with Bo on the field, did Bruce get the striker and attacking pairing right? And maybe the subs wrong with allowing two goals after the fact, or was that again, I come back to you're up three nil. You expect to close this one out and you didn't, um, you know, are the revs a team that, you know, should be up three nil and can close out a game or what question do we still have left to answer of the Bo books of pairing? Mm-hmm. Well, well, let's yeah. I, well, I, in terms of tonight, I think you got to play the hot hand with Gustavo Bo. And Gustavo Bo's last two games, he went, he he scored a banger against NYCFC, and then it was uh-huh. before the Cincinnati game when he made Team of the Week. So I think right now, Bruce Arena loves playing the hot hand, and I think he's just going to keep playing Gustavo Bo until Bo has a bad game and they mix it up, or Bo needs a rest. You know, he he has a little bit of a muscle strain and they rest him. That happens from time to time too. Um, so I, I don't really think you know. They scored three goals tonight. Bo had a nice chip. Bo had some nice plays. Obviously, I was a little frustrated with that play in the first half where he'll kind of leads him, and Bo, I think, wants the ball at his feet. Um, but outside of that, I, I think Gustavo played fine. So I can't really fault Bruce for getting the tactics wrong, wrong offensively. Um, in terms of the defensive subs we kind of talked about, I don't want to repeat myself too much. I think that was the refs just falling asleep on that first one. And then the second one is, you know, your set-piece issues. You're not clearing, getting the ball out of the box issues that we've seen so much. So I, I have a tough time blaming Bruce on that one. But, um, yeah, and in terms of – that's kind of my thoughts on Buxa Bo in this game. In terms of Buxa Bo in general, which is what Charles has said, is Buxa now permanently our, our super sub? Um, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think so. I think that well, Buxa is – going to be your off the bench or mix it up striker because i think right now we're going out of our four two three one there is schedule congestion we are going to see some rotation we are going to see brooks is going to have his chance to win his spots back so i don't want to say permanently he's out right. forever mm-hmm. but right now we have a four two three one format that clearly is working better than the four four two we ran out early mm-hmm. in the season we're winning we've won five straight games with this formation uh, and yeah, we don't. Bo, Bo is playing better than Buxa right now, so it, it seems weird to say Buxa is better off the bench because I don't think Buxa is necessarily a bad player. I think he does a lot of things well. I think today, mm-hmm. you know, chucking up long balls and him winning balls in the air and would have worked out pretty decently against New York Red Bulls. Maybe tactically that would have helped them out early in the game uh, when Red Bulls were kind of pressing up against them and they just couldn't break their their press. Um, but. I mean, I, I think Brooks will get his chances, but right now, I think you have to bring him off the bench. Uh, Chris, do you want to have any defense for Brooks, or do you agree? Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I'd love to have a defense for Brooks, but I, I 100% agree that uh, Bo, right now, the striker position is, is Bo's to lose. He's healthy. He looks good. He's producing. Uh, you can't ask for much more than that, and, you know, he's very active uh, as, a, as the striker, and, you know, I, I hate 
calling Buxa like a super sub because I think off the bench, Buxa is, you know, lackluster, if anything. Um, like he's not an impact player that's going to come in in the 60th minute and change the, the pace of the game. Buxa is a, a player that, in my opinion, when you start, he's going to find the rhythm throughout the course of the game and then end up putting something into the back of the net, either within the first couple of minutes or it's going to be, you know, minute 45 uh, right before halftime. He's that type of player. Um, he's going to catch you sleeping at one of the ends of the game. He's not He's not a super sub type player. Um, but yeah, it, Bo right now, he's playing very well. I, I like his movement on the ball. I like he's getting into spaces. He's taking his shots. He's not like wildly mishitting them or anything like that. He's looking to be creative and he's looking to also involve the other attackers around him. Uh, Bo's definitely the hot hand. You got to play him. But like you said, we do have the schedule congestion coming up. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of uh, changeover with that. Buxa is still going to be, I think, a solid uh, starter. And, you know, they're tied right now for the team leading goals. And it would be really interesting to, to see how that race develops because I, I'm sure that Buxa is looking at that saying, hey, you know, I was the team leader and now now it's now it's tied. I'm going to go get that back. At least I'm hoping he's looking at it that way. And I, same thing for Bo. I hope Bo is looking at it saying, now I'm tied. Let's bag a couple more and, and I'll be the team leader. So, uh, do, you it, think, do you think Adam Buxa is, what's the word, frustrated that he had the team lead and now Gustavo Bo has just gotten more minutes and now he's been able to cut up, catch up? I would be frustrated if I was Adam Buxa. Yeah. The, the one thing that, that bothers me about Adam Buxa is that I do think that he's consistently frustrated. Uh, whether he's doing well or not, he still seems like he's frustrated with himself, which is not a bad thing to always expect better out of yourself, you know, to always, you know, think that you should be doing better. Uh, it's like every time that I record a podcast, I get off of it and I'm like, man, I should be better at this. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's the same exact thing. I, I see it, it, it with Buxa, he's always frustrated. I, I can't really see him ever being satisfied. Um, so with Bo coming in and taking as frustrated as I am with Twitter spaces, I would say that is a fair statement. Yes. Uh, just to show his frustration. Level. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I, I think we've kind of touched on everything from this game. I don't know if anyone else wanted to jump in and give a speak. Dave, do you have a thought? I see you unmuting. Dave. Hey, yeah. I just wanted to just sort of to jump off. And uh, I guess a fleeting point, but I, I'm wondering if Bruce is using this sort of congested schedule to really, he knows that he has a game winner on offense in Carlos Heel, and he knows that he has a game winner in Matt Turner on uh, in keeper, right? Mm-hmm. Where he's really like, we're trying to figure out what is the best striker salute, uh, situation, who is the best wingers on the team? Who are the best defensive uh, midfield pairing? I'm wondering if um, I don't know. I guess he's. I guess we're leaning on those two world uh, MLS best right players, right? Well, right. Well, and, and again, I think it's a really good position to be in. To to you have this kind of room at the top of the standings. You're winning games while you're figuring it out, and it gives you the flexibility to try some different things and, and see what works. And as I say, I think Bruce Arena is playing the hot hand right now. And right now, the four two three one with Gustavo Bo is the hot hand. Will it be there in the playoffs? You know, I, I, you know, if he goes to a four four two at certain points, and Bo and Buxa work at the field at the same time uh, going into the playoffs, that's what we'll see. I mean, we saw Bo and Buxa on the field last year during the playoffs, and it worked perfectly fine. So we might see 
him kind of revert back to that a little bit. So I, I'm not sure what Bruce has planned, but I would imagine you want Carlos Hill on the field at all times. You have Tayon Buchanan, Tayjon Buchanan on the field at all times. Um, and you have Matt Turner on the field at all times and the rest will kind of figure it out. Dave, do you have a uh, favorite pairing of wingers or strikers uh, in your mind, or are you equally as confused? Cause I, it's kind of a cop out, but I think it's a wait and see and we'll learn who the top wingers and top striker is over the next month or two. So most of the time I am confused, but I feel like I'm rightfully confused about the best pairing for uh, the offense right now. But we're still top of the Eastern Conference, so I guess it's a, a very, like, night. I'm very happy to be confused at this point, I guess. Yep. It's a, it's a, if you're winning and confused, it's fine. If you're losing and confused, it's not fine. Uh, but anyway, uh, oh, sorry, Chris, Jake, uh, someone jumped in. Any, any comments on that? Yeah, so to, to Dave's point, uh, I was just going to say, I don't know so much if, if Bruce has taken this time to experiment with who he wants up front, but I think maybe he could be taking the time of this congested schedule to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to be uh, rotating my guys. I'm not going to have to force them into a 4-4-2 because we know that Bruce Arena has been trying the 4-4-2 uh, quite a bit this year, and it really hasn't been working. While this this congested schedule is maybe giving him the opportunity and, and the luxury to say, hey, I'm going to play the 4-2-3-1. I'm going to rotate my strikers in and out, get them minutes, but also make sure that they're resting at the same exact time. And I don't have to worry about trying to force them into a 4-4-2. Uh, so that, that could be possi- possibly part of what's going through Bruce's mind right now. But uh, again, to Dave's point, it, it's such a luxury to be in this position right now. 23 points out of 30. Uh, first place in the East, and you're still not really sure where you're going. And any roster that you're really going to put out, you know, it's going to be a strong roster because this team is so deep. Uh, sorry, Jake, I didn't mean to cut you off. You were going to say something. No, no, that I mean, that, that's right. I mean, I, I think the fact New England has the, as many wins and draw in points that they do, and I still don't think we know what our best lineup is, or more importantly, what our best 90-minute performance is on the year, like, you know, New England, we put together very good hours. We put together very good half hours. I don't know if New England has put together a complete 90-minute game yet this year. And we've won seven games in the East and drawn two. Like, that's the scary part is New England might not know what our best lineup, best formation, and best everything is yet. And we're still in first place. That's the terrifying part. We're winning games, not so much by accident, but by depth and sheer amount of talent we have on this roster that we can start Tommy McNamara <laughs> and Maciel and Matt Polster and Teal Bunbury and go, oh, by the way, we've got Buxa and Tristison on the bench to close you guys out when we screw up minutes 60 to 75, which, oh, by the way, we've done two out of the last three games. So I, I think it is interesting that, yes, the Rebs have this great depth, and yet we still don't know what maybe our best starting lineup is at this point. Yeah, 100%. They have not, they have not shown a full 90 minutes to date. Uh, they started the season playing actually pretty poor, in my opinion, and still finding ways to win games, which is a pretty remarkable situation to find yourself in. And again, like you're saying, to your point, you know, they've been conceding goals now uh, against City and now against the Red Bulls. They're, they've conceded two goals both times. Uh, I guess New York City, that was, you know, a more scary situation, of course, you know, going back and forth like that. But 
the resilience of this team to just keep going out and finding a way to win games is it's really remarkable. Uh, and it's something that's really enjoyable to get to watch. And it is scary to the rest of the Eastern conference and to the rest of MLS to see what this team's potential is when they do put in a full 90. Oh, Tuka, you got anything to say before I, I move on, uh, on the lineup? Yeah. Yeah. I thought you guys might be wrapping up. So what I wanted to say real quick is, uh, Obviously, we don't want this to replace the podcast. The podcast is awesome, but I think this is a really good format for post-game conversations, like 15, 20 minutes after every game. Allows for more nuance and yelling on the hashtag. So I really want to thank you guys for doing this. It's been great so far. Hey, I, I really appreciate that. And, you know, one thing that has been a little frustrating for me is because occasionally we'll get comments from people that say, I really want to come on the podcast or I really want to get involved. And asking for questions sometimes isn't the best way to interact with people. So I'm hopeful we can do this a little bit more. I'm hopeful I get better at running this. Uh, and I, I don't have as many blunders uh, live and in person. But, uh, you know, it's great to actually hear some voices as opposed to people I've interacted with for years and give you guys a voice and talk about things. And for those of you that haven't joined in, if you want to hop on and give us your final thoughts before we wrap up, I think we're going to wrap up in the next five minutes or so. But um, I, I definitely think we'll try to do this again. I definitely think we will try to do another post game if the schedule kind of allows it. It's a bit weird. And hopefully we recorded this and post it uh, and more people will hop on next time. Uh, I, it, it'll be a little awkward listening to myself on iTunes tomorrow, re-listening to this, talking about uh, all the screw-ups I had <laughs> in the run of this float. But uh, before we let go, unless anyone has uh, wants to raise their hand and uh, jump in with a question, we did get one more question from Discord. Uh, TSB11 says, the midfield really struggled to control transition uh, after Polster came off really until Caldwell came on and we went with three central midfielders. Mm -hmm. If we aren't getting Luis Caicedo back, then surely this is a position that needs to be addressed, right? Uh, that's an interesting question. I'm, I'm not so sure about that. I still think you have four capable midfielders in Polster, Maciel, Tommy Mack, and Scott Caldwell, with Scott Caldwell being the fourth central midfielder. And then whatever Captoom is, I think we will get Captoom back. I think we will see a little bit of Wolford Captoom um, this season and, you know, he's supposedly going to be a game changer. He's supposedly the big signing of the offseason. So I'm not totally sure that we need another central midfielder. Um, but in terms of Luis Caicedo, I have written him off. I, I'm not totally sure we are going to see him. I'm getting major uh, Shalry Joseph in 2014 vibes where every week he is just on the How dare you, he's sir. just on the injury report every single week. It's a little bit of a mystery. I asked Bruce before the season, you know, what his status was, if his rehab was complete. And I was told his rehab was complete. Uh, and it, it doesn't seem like his rehab is complete. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of not expecting Luis Caicedo to be back. I don't know. I, that's just me speculating. I have no inside knowledge of that. But um, I, I still think you're able to run with five central midfielders. And even if Captoom is out, I still think you have four central midfielders that can hold it down. Mm -hmm. uh, it just matter. It just depends on who you're pairing with Matt Polster. I got to say, and I'm still happy with Scott Caldwell being that fourth center mid i'm really really pleased to see him getting minutes his last two matches as well mm -hmm. i think he is the guy that you need to be bringing in maybe a little bit earlier than you've been bringing him in and yes. saying he's going to be closing out these games he's a possession-based uh midfielder he's going to he's going to slow the game down he's going to find the, the right passes to make and he's going to keep the the ball in the revolution's possession and you, you need to close out the game with someone that's a bit more experienced a bit more uh, slow tempoed, I guess. And I mean that in the kindest way possible. And uh, Scott Caldwell, I'm so happy to see him get minutes. I hope he gets more. Um, and then I, I wanted to add to you, Greg, before uh, we do get into final thoughts or anything, I did have one other question that came in. It was actually 
last week or this past weekend, it came in from Alex Dolan. And I had to had to bring it up because we didn't we didn't get to it over the podcast. And so I'm going to put you on the spot here uh, on the Twitter space. Alex wanted to know how many waffles would you have eaten if you were in a Waffle House for 24 hours? <laughs> so listen, I have never been more embarrassed as an American that that guy went viral on Twitter. He had like seven waffles in seven Nine. hours. A pathetic performance, just embarrassing on all levels. Granted, I've had Waffle House once in my life, but I don't remember it being that horrible. Um, this guy did it all wrong. He went in at 4 p.m., uh, he clearly had breakfast or lunch or something like that, um, and he clearly was doing it for attention. He was like a reporter from Mississippi or something like that. I am tempted to actually ch- challenge this because I refuse, unless you are actively trying to drag out the process, uh, only eat seven waffles. Mm-hmm. For those that don't know, a person lost their fantasy football league, and their punishment was they had to go sit in a wa- uh, Waffle House for 24 hours, but it would reduce uh, one hour for every waffle he ate. Uh, and clearly, he was just in it for the attention. So how many waffles would I get? I would get at least 12 down. I'd be in and out in 12 hours. I would walk into a Waffle House at 7 a.m., and I would be out of there by 6.30 at least. A uh, really embarrassing performance overall. So, yeah, no, at least 12. I don't know. Hey, you know what? That is the question I really want feedback from everyone. Join in. How many How many no, waffles I, at Waffle House would you eat? I, I, have, I, have an opinion, I have an opinion on this matter. Go for it. <laughs> I want I want to settle the French toast pancake waffle debate for the rest of time. Wait, can we can we do this after I get feedback on how many waffles I I was like I didn't understand. Oh so no 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 if, if you if someone wants to debate how many waffles they can eat, please by all means go ahead before I give this opinion. Well, so I if, probably I live mean, the closest to a waffle house out of anyone in Jacksonville, Florida. I live about a mile away from they're large waffles. And they're very high in calories. Size of a dinner plate. Yeah, they're, okay. they're large waffles. They're not egos. But would you? Right. Okay, so you are you are our Waffle House expert here. Could you, in your opinion, how many could you eat? Like, am I in over my head saying that I couldn't get twelve down in twelve hours? I, I feel like going in an empty stomach. That should be achievable, regardless of the size of the waffles. I mean, I don't know your appetite. Never met you. <laughs> a, a, a normal, a normal, out of shape, overweight. 32-year-old man. That is me. <laughs> oh, so basically me, but um, <laughs> yes, so, everyone. <laughs> I think you could do 10 to 11 in 24 hours, not 12 and 12. Ooh, okay. Okay, now I'm, now I'm, now I'm questioning this. Now I'm but questioning here's, the, here's the thing, Greg. You now, now you've put it in motion, and you have now said it on the podcast I'm that you are willing to challenge yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now we're going to need a live tweeting episode of you going to a Waffle House. And I know that you don't live too far from Waffle House. I mean, you got to find one without, within an hour from you. Uh, so there's, there's one in Lancaster because I passed one when I was in Lancaster a few weeks ago. So I might have to do this. Uh, yes. Uh, but now I'm scared. Now I'm scared I'm talking too big. Uh, Dave, did you have any, any input on the Waffle House scenario? Boy, do I. Um Listen, I don't even know what we're talking about here. I'm like, I'm also <laughs> out of shape, but I'm 25, so I guess that might have something to do with it. But I could eat 12 waffles in like, give me 45 minutes, dude. Like, I don't know what we're talking about here. <laughs> I mean, I, I will. I when I was reading this, or, <laughs> I assumed either the waffles were giant, which I maybe maybe I just mistook the size of the waffles, or they're complete crap. I guess it makes sense that they're heavy on the calorie side. I think I, I think the answer to that question is yes. Yeah, <laughs> but but 
as I said, he went right, at give me 4 three p.m. Hours. I'm done. I'm and yeah. Yeah. If you, and butter, which also adds to the caloric intake. He he, like, and I was gonna hurt because it's it's it, it's a lot. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm. Uh, Lancaster is thirty miles away. I might have to put this to the test. I, I will say, even if it is a lot, even if I fail at this miserably, I just want to say that you went at four p.m. Uh, and and ideally, mm. if you lose a bet and you're you're in an eating competition, you need to wake up hungry, and you need to start at the beginning of the day. He he clearly had a breakfast and lunch. And then went into it. So he set himself up for failure. And I think that was more or less intentional for the Twitter retweets and likes. He was like a journalist in, in Mississippi. So, yes, no, I was not very happy about that. It annoyed the crap out of me. Uh, I know Paul Gerard is on this call. He knows what I'm talking about. Chris, you know what I'm talking about. Yep. Uh, that was just a total publicity stunt. And I'm not happy about mm-hmm. it at all. So um, I'm, I'm going to talk my trash. I'm going to talk my shit until I go to a Waffle House myself and fail miserably at this. No, no, no. I'm, uh, sir, I am with you. My my opinion on this matter is that pancakes, waffles, French toast, whatever have you of the breakfast food with syrup and butter item, all of those items are pants. Wow. It does not matter. It does not matter which item you are debating. They're all terrible. So Jake has been eating at Denny's is what he's saying, not Waffle House. No, 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 no. no. How dare you, sir, imply I would go to a Denny's. This is New England. <laughs> I go to a proper fucking diner and eat that nonsense. If I so choose to order it, which I would never do, I get an omelet and an entire six potatoes with my omelet and I eat all of it. I don't even deal with the, with the syrup and the waffles and the paint. No, 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 none of that. I, I got. I'm getting Alex Dolan in on this. This has really gone downhill. We're gonna. This podcast is gonna be released tomorrow. There are gonna be very, very confused <laughs> listeners who have no idea what's going on. Alex, give me your thoughts on Wafflegate. I, I honestly, I, I can't believe you only ate nine. I, I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> I am shocked. That man should be, I mean, that's <laughs> national attention. He should be embarrassed that he only ate that, nine. That well, that's what I, I said. Been out I was of told. There in I was told. Hours. I, I was told that they are very thick waffles, and so oh, and Chris oh, is basically oh, challenged. Yeah. Uh, well, I've been eating more than nine. Sam Minton, also of the best Fed Musket, coming on here in a second. Um, yeah, that, I, I, I've basically been challenged. Sam, give me your thoughts here. First off, I'm kind of upset at Jake. Why are we slandering pancakes and waffles, especially those? You put a nice boysenberry syrup. You put a nice, just classic syrup. Boysenberry syrup? Are we kidding? Right. Have you never been to IHOP? Have you, you my, never been to the International dog. House of Pancakes? No, we have something in Fairfield County, Connecticut called Chips, which is 9,000 times better than IOP. You know what I just realized? You know what I just realized? I stole the Twitter spaces from the Bent Musket, and they have colluded to hop in and hijack this, this Twitter spaces away I was from Revolution. I going Recap. to ask the waffle question. I was just waiting for a moment. We, we, well, we made sure we, we got it because we know we, we failed to ask that last week. But yes, uh, we, we did make sure of it. And I agreed with you, Alex, but uh, I've been challenged to do it, so I might have to do this uh, and, and see how it goes. And also, shout out to Tejon Stan, who says on Twitter, uh, this Twitter space is sponsored by Waffle House. Use code REVSRECAP for 15% off. Uh, it is? Yeah. I mean, I would love a sponsorship with Waffle House. Uh, but for those of oh, you that I, are here, so if you do not know... If you do not know, we do have a sponsor now, uh, Galaco Kits. Galasso Kits. Sorry, I can't not pronounce it. Uh, but they, uh, if you're into jerseys, if you're into collecting jerseys, make sure you check them out and use Revolution Recap. Sorry, Revs Recap 
promo code Revs Recap for 15% off your order. Had to plug the sponsor. Had to get them in. Thank you for the reminder. Um, waffles aside, I think we have covered waffles and breakfast foods as much as humanly possible. Does anyone else have any final thoughts before we break here today? Chris, anything you want, you'll want to say before we get going? Look, I'm just going to go back to my, my original key takeaway here and just say the Revs are, are legit, and this team is so much fun to watch. Uh, and I'm just so happy that we can all be on this ride together. Uh, let's let's go Revs. Let's see them, you know, lift a cup this year. Uh, this is going to be the year if they're ever going to do it. So, you know, let's go Revs. This is probably their best chance in a really, really long time. You have to go back to the Taylor Twelman era uh, before you got a, a team that was this good. Even 2014, I don't think, holds a candle to this team right now. So uh, thank you, everyone, for who joined us live. Thank you, everyone, who is listening on the podcast. Uh, if you have not already, please rate and review our show on iTunes or wherever you are listening. And if you leave a review, say you like the live show. The way to get us to do this more is to review and say, love the live show. It was a complete clusterfuck. Love the argument about waffles. You know, uh, yeah, please, please rate and review. Uh, and if you have not liked us on Instagram, please do. We have a Revolution Recap Instagram page now. We have a Revolution Recap Facebook page. And I'm sure you all are following us on Twitter. But as you know, we are at Revolution Recap on Twitter. Uh, new podcast after this one coming out on Sunday after the Dallas game. That's going to be a challenging one. That one's Sunday at 9 p.m. So that one might be out Monday or Monday night or Tuesday morning. I'm not totally sure just yet, but we will have a recap following that game. Everyone who joined today, thank you very much. We're going to have to do this again. This is a complete clusterfuck, but I loved it. Thank you so much. Talk to you guys later. See ya.